Welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, and this is episode number 108, and we are diving into the world of natural remedies and recipes to repel bugs. Using natural products to repel insects and create a natural medicine cabinet and having those natural remedies in your arsenal is pretty big on my list and one of my main passions. We do a lot of camping and outdoor activities here on our homestead and living in the Pacific Northwest, especially as we move into spring and summertime. And because we're pretty rainy here, we have a good breeding ground for mosquitoes and we have our fair share of mosquitoes. Back in the day, I used to use DEET. I would use DEET-based bug sprays all the time because nobody likes mosquito bites. And it's what everybody used, which is not an excuse, but we've all said it and had that happen to us at least a few times in our lives. And I'm kind of cringing as I'm sharing this with you guys, but I used to use DEET. And even back then, before I really started to understand how big of an impact the things that we put on our skin and the things that we're consuming and all of that have on our health and our lives, I noticed that whenever I used the bug spray, and we always use the spray, and you would spray it, and you would inevitably, you would get some on your lips, especially if you're spraying your whole body or just spraying it around the campground, right? It's kind of in the air, and I would get some on my lips. And if any of the bug spray, when it got on my face, on my lips, My lips would go numb, you guys. They would literally be tingly and just have a weird kind of numb sensation to them for about an hour or so. And I would kind of try and wipe it off. But, you know, it would stay on there. It wasn't something that was just like for a few minutes. It would last. And I'm like this, you know, in my head, I'm like, this is kind of weird. But it wasn't weird enough for me to stop using it at the time. And then back, my younger brother started working in the woods, and he used a stronger percentage of DEET bug spray. They were deep in the woods, and the bugs were super, super thick. And get this, you guys. So he wears eyeglasses. And the arms of your glasses, so where it goes, you know, over your ear, melted. Yes. The plastic on his eyeglasses where that DEET-based bug spray came in contact literally melted his glasses. Now, I don't know about you, but your lips going numb and something that's strong enough to melt glass, melt glasses or plastic like that on your glasses, that's enough for me to really start to look at it. So I have not used the DEET-based bug sprays for a very long time. I'm talking years, but back in the day I did. So according to Wikipedia... Mosquitoes don't like the smell of DEET, and DEET has also been used as a pesticide, and they have on their listed that DEET shouldn't be applied to broken skin, and you should wash it off as soon as possible, and it may cause breathing difficulties, burning eyes, headaches is associated with seizures, and there was a study, long-term exposure from employees at the Everglades National Park were more likely to have insomnia, mood disturbances, and impaired cognitive function than were lesser exposed coworkers. So, and I've linked to that in the today's show notes for you. Um, This was from Wikipedia. I've linked to that exact article, and then you can check out even more of the studies and stuff yourself. But I don't know about you, but that was enough for me to decide with all of that stuff that I wasn't going to be using any products with DEET. And you guys know I've long been a proponent of using natural products 
In fact, I go into that in great detail in my book, The Made From Scratch Life, Simple Ways to Create a Natural Home. But we're going to take that today even further, and we're going to be talking about using natural herbs and essential oils. Because even if I'm not going to use the DEET, I don't necessarily want to be getting bit by mosquitoes because mosquitoes can be carrying things like West Nile virus, lots of serious stuff we don't want to be getting from them. Plus the bites are irritating. They're annoying. They're itching and then they can get infected. So we want to try to avoid the mosquito bites as much as possible. And you guessed it, we're going to be talking about taking the natural route. However, just because something is natural doesn't mean it's safe. And at this point, you're probably like saying, well, what is safe? Like, is there anything safe? What am I supposed to be using then? But I want to talk to you about using essential oils and herbs for repelling insects specifically today with some safety information as well. And full disclaimer, disclosure, heads up, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a certified herbalist or medical professional. And any of these statements have not been approved or evaluated by the FDA. And none of this should be considered treatment or diagnosis, right? It's for informational purposes only. So you need to know that. But I'm really excited to share with you some of my top essential oil picks and plants that respel insects. And then I've actually got a special treat because after I go over these with you guys, I am going to be sharing with you a conversation that I had with a really good actual personal friend of mine. Her name is Renee Harris, and she also is the owner and creator of Made on Skincare or HardLotion.com. So some of you may already know Renee, but we got to talking about how the process that she had to go through to come up with an EPA approved insect bug repellent bar that was natural. And I thought it was really interesting how that happened. And so I wanted to share the story with you guys. But for the beginning here, essential oils that have insect repelling properties. So first up on the list, we've got citronella, lemon eucalyptus, and note that eucalyptus and peppermint are both essential oils that should be used with caution when it comes to regards with children. If you have kids that are under three years old, you really need to take very specific care and have caution on how you use it, not just applying it externally, so it being in a product, but even diffusing wise. And I have linked to in the show notes, a chart that specifically breaks it down by percentage and by age, what's considered safe by Robert Tisserand, who is a world-renowned certified aromatherapist, and he does a lot of studies and research on essential oils and safety with people. And so it's my number one go-to source is going to his information and sources. And so you can check that chart out for yourself. But essential oils with insect repelling properties, citronella, lemon eucalyptus, lavender, clove, peppermint, again, peppermint, eucalyptus, are caution ones, cedarwood, rosemary, neem, and lemongrass. And lemongrass can attract bees. So that's another little caution there that we want to use. Now, we also want to be talking about not just essential oils. I do love essential oils and they have their place, but I like to look at using herbs with essential oils and multiple ways that we can kind of attack a problem from a natural standpoint. That's going to be plants that repel insects. So plants that repel insects, we've got basil, chamomile, citronella grass, lavender, lemon balm. Again, your honeybees love the lemon balm, peppermint, and rosemary. Now, let's get on with the interview and let me introduce you to today's guest. Really 
excited to be talking with a good friend of mine who also happens to be in the business of making homemade personal body care items and natural items. And we're going to be diving into the realm today, talking about essential oils and ways that you can create your own at-home natural products for bug repellents. So Renee, welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast. Thank you, Melissa. This is always fun to chat with you, and now to be on your show is even more fun. <laughs> I know. I'm really excited. So one of the things, one of the very first things when I really started diving into looking at, you know, everything that you put on your skin and the, the way you absorb it and the way it, things that it can do to your body was, of course, bug repellent, because most of the things that we see or recommended for us to use contain DEET. And DEET is not something, after I started doing some more research on, that I was comfortable using on myself and especially my kids when they were little, you know, like when they were toddlers and babies, and because we do a ton of outside stuff and camping, and I still don't want the mosquitoes. And there's lots of things that we can get diseases from insects. And of course, just the itchiness and the bite. But I wasn't comfortable using DEET. So I started looking at some more natural ways that we could go for bug repellents. And then Renee, you have a product that you actually made, but I really want to talk about this because what we can make at home and then what you can buy on the market, because obviously if you're selling it on the market, it has to be approved by the FDA, can sometimes be a little bit different. So I wanted to pick your brain and see what that process was like for you guys getting a natural bug repellent that the FDA would actually approve and how that differs a little bit from some of the homemade things. Yeah, and what you mentioned about DEET, in addition to that, I'm just really excited that you could have your own homemade or, you know, or natural store-bought product, and it doesn't smell bad. Because I know, I don't know about you, but when you go camping and sometimes, you know, you're with friends and someone pulls out the spray, you know, if you're having something that you just cooked on the grill, you're eating it, and then you've got this mosquito repellent spray in your face. <laughs> it just kind of takes away from the pleasure of camping and food that, you know, barbecue, whatever. So I really love the fact that you can make your own repellent and you can choose your own different essential oils to make up because there's so many different ones that can help repel mosquitoes. So whether you buy it from the store or someone like us or make it yourself, you can choose based on the different scent that you like what kind of combination you want to take camping with you. So that's, it's just like a really, in addition to the deep part, the fact that you can actually make something yourself that smells good that you can use on your camping trip is a lot of fun. When we started, what I was doing was our, our flagship product has always been the hard lotion bar. That's why we chose hardlotion.com as our website name. And that's always been our thing as the lotion bar. That was the one thing that kind of fixed my own dry, super dry skin and sometimes seasonal eczema. And so my boys and I were selling at a farmer's market locally, and they were, I think, ages eight and 10. And we were selling lotion bar, had samples out, explained what it was to people. And then there was an evening where we were just like hit with mosquitoes when we were out selling at the farmer's market. And I hadn't even researched bug repellent. I just thought, oh, great. <laughs> we're going to do spray, spray bug spray at my little natural you know, skincare stand here at the farmer's market. I had heard that you could, you know, use essential oils to be, a, you know, to act as a bug repellent, but I didn't know what type. And everyone knows about citronella. So I kind of started with citronella and did my research with that. Back at the time, whenever I would look up ingredients to put together, I would just go to the environmental working group, their cosmetic database to check. 
I figured that, especially back then, and when I say back then, this was in 2009, they were big enough and they were pretty much out there as far as what you could use to go and check your ingredients and your products with. So I would go and check up on different ingredient hazard ratings. And if it was a low rating, like zero, one or two, then that passed for me, especially if it was a one or a zero and anything above that I wouldn't use because I figured there's plenty to choose from. So I would just run it against their database and see what I wanted to use. So I figured, well, citronella is kind of the most obvious. It's in candles. It's in all these other bug repellent products. So that was my base to start with. And then I wanted to add something else to it. And I found out that, and this is, so for those of you who want to make it at home, here's a few things to think about if you wanted to make your own. Peppermint works, lavender works, rosemary, cedarwood, eucalyptus, clove. And I really liked the scent combo of citronella, clove, and lavender together. It was kind of a little bit spicy, you know, from the clove. And then I did my little research on the cosmetic database and found that clove together, that made it a two on a scale of zero to 10, which is great. I mean, two is great, but I thought, oh, I just really want it to be a one. So I took, and it was the clove. Clove was the one that was holding it up. So I decided I can replace clove with something else. And then I chose... And eucalyptus kept coming up as a really good bug repellent oil. So I looked up eucalyptus, but then I did my research and found out that it can be a common allergen. And I've, I thought, you know, I've already got a lot of people who are coming to me because they're allergic to other ingredients in their skincare. So I took out eucalyptus. Those of you who have no problem with eucalyptus, that's probably what I would, I would advise is go for that one, you know, and, and citronella too. And if you like those together, you can always add something else, but that would have been my second choice okay. for sure. And interesting with the eucalyptus, and it depends on the age that you're going to be using this on. And of course, when we're putting it in, you know, it's got carrier oils if you're going to do it in a hard balm, like to create as a stick to rub on. But with eucalyptus, the reason that I'm sharing this is because when I first started using essential oils, I was really excited to use eucalyptus because it's supposed to help with congestion, you know, and if, you, if you're really mm -hmm. congested or have a really bad cold and that type of thing. So I was really excited to use it. But eucalyptus is one that you shouldn't use on small children or anybody who may have a seizure disorder. And I didn't know that when I first started getting into oils and it was something that I learned later. So of course, we're using this in a combination and it's being diluted. It's not like you're putting straight eucalyptus oil on, but if you're using it for really small children or anybody who may have some type of seizure disorder, that would be one that you would want to use with caution or maybe avoid. So I wanted to make sure and put that out there in regards to the eucalyptus. Thank you. That Yes, that's very, that's very good to know. And thankfully, there are a lot of resources to find out which ones are safe and now if you do a Google search, you're going to come up with all kinds of stuff. So, you know, make sure your resources are good. But yeah, definitely you want to research that. And I like Robert Tisserand's huge, big fat book. I don't know if you're familiar with that. That's just like 700 pages. And I have that one. He goes and digs deep on every single oil and what's safe to use. Yeah for pregnancy and ages and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I use, yes, Robert Tisserand. And in the show notes, guys, I will link to Robert Tisserand's website and to his book because he does extensive research. He's not affiliated like with any, you know, essential oil company, but he does really good scientific research. And he's 
really endorses using essential oils, but doing it safely and with the scientific background. And so I always will cross-reference with his website and a lot of his research. And then, of course, you know, dig deeper. It's good if you can get at least more than one source when you're doing research. But mm -hmm. thank you for bringing him up as a resource. And I will pop links to everything in the show notes for you guys so that you can have that available to you, too. Yeah, and that one. And then also Leah Harris has a good Facebook page, the Using Essential Oil Safely. I think it's using eossafely.com. And she backs up. She uses Robert Tisserens as, as her source pretty much. And then Vintage Remedies is another source to go for classes and information. So, yeah, those are some good sources. And that's, that's the hard part is you have to go do the research on, on these. But what's great is that there, it's the beauty and the curse of essential oils because they are so strong, so effective that you also have to see, on the other hand, what can they mess up? You know, what can they be dangerous? In what situations could they be dangerous? It's one of those balancing acts you have to follow. Okay, so back to, I, I finally settled on citronella, lavender, and cedarwood. The scent is just wonderful. It reminds me of camping on the coast of California. We have a lot of redwoods and it just, it's totally like a camping scent to me. Just plain citronella to me, just, it smells too, probably commercial just because of the citronella candles and the citronella spray that they have. So I, I really liked having that cedarwood added to it and the lavender, which doesn't really come out too strongly, but it does a bit. And just that combination was our bud block. So we're rolling along. And, you know, in the meantime, we don't have a lot of different types of bugs like other areas. I think Michigan is known. I don't know. I'm not really, really familiar with different states, but I'd have people from New Hampshire say, does this work for deer? What are they called? Deer flies, I think. Mm -hmm. And I would get good feedback that it wasn't just for mosquitoes. It would repel other insects as well. So that was nice. And, and I don't know. I haven't done extensive research. It's just only by word of mouth from hearing from customers what it works on. But that worked out great. To make your own, it's nice. You can just do your own research on the different essential oils that work for that. And before I go on to the rest of my story real quick, when you make your homemade, what do you put in there? I had actually done a spray and I used distilled water, but... Since I've been doing more research, if you're using anything with water in it, of course, you run the risk of having bacteria, even though I'm using distilled water. And so I really am looking, I'm going to be making some of the harder, like the balms that you can put in the stick, like you guys are doing, Renee, because I want to be able to make it up at the beginning of the season. And I don't want to have to constantly be bringing all the supplies to remake it, you know, as we go. And I hadn't really thought about with the distilled water being, we're adding the oils to it and then spraying it on in a spray bottle because I liked having the ability to use it as a mist and just as an easy spray but there can be the contamination of bacteria anytime you have it in water and essential oils themselves are not strong enough even though some of them have antibacterial properties to them they're not strong enough to act as a true preservative with the water so I actually am going to be switching and using the form of doing the hard lotion bar with the essential oils in it, just like you guys do. And I really like to use with also the combination you were talking about, the addition of peppermint. So I will use peppermint in ours and then a little bit of lemongrass, but a caution with the lemongrass. I have not had this experience with us, but my aunt did and lemongrass can sometimes be an attractant for bees. So if you're in an area that has a lot of bees, I'm just going to give you that word of caution. Don't go heavy with the lemongrass because it can be an attractant. Now, I've had it in mind in a small amount, you know, as, as ratio wise, and I haven't had a problem, but 
again, it's just one of those things to be aware of that different insects, bees like the lemongrass, but it works really well for us with mosquitoes. Just take that into consideration in your area. That is funny because I was just, just as soon as you said lemongrass, I was going to say, oh, watch out. (laughs) Because I had, I was going to put way back when we started making our hair butter and I was looking for just something light to add to that. And the friend that I was working on the combination with, she was the one that um, had adopted some Ethiopian children and we were working on just the right scent combo and she loves lemongrass and she really wanted lemongrass in it. So I was just doing my little research thinking, okay, it looks good until the bee part came up. I thought, oh no, (laughs) just going out and having, you know, hair butter in your hair and then having a a swarm of bees come. But one thing though, I mean, obviously the chances could be very, very small, but just last week I saw somebody I follow on Instagram actually used lemongrass and they own bees. They have bees in their backyard and one of their, they're not sure if it was their own, but anyway, there was a swarm next door at their neighbor's house. And so they came out and they had to attract the swarm to their house. So they used lemongrass to do it. And I thought, wow, that was, okay. That was just a little anecdotal experience where it actually worked to do, to attract the bees with the lemongrass. So yeah, lemongrass you might want to use. And then the other one, I, I don't know enough about this, but I've wondered that with the water and oils, how you'd probably have to shake it a lot before you spray because those I would assume separate, but I don't know. I don't yeah, know I, I would shake it really hard and it was in Mr. Spray Bottle and I didn't really have issues with it clogging, but yeah, you would have to shake it really well because even though essential oils are oils, but they do kind of mix in with the water, <laughs> but mm-hmm. Not as well, obviously, as if they're going to be in an oil product, like if you're doing a hard lotion balm and then you're adding it in there to create a balm. So it did work, but like I said, now I know a lot more about when you're making your own homemade cosmetics and things, and when you're using water, you are running a really big risk of you know having bacteria and stuff come in and obviously we don't want to be spraying ourselves with things that could have mold in it, even, you know, to grow with it. So I'm moving away from that, even though I had done that in the past, but the essential oil blend, of course, can still be the same. I'm just not going to be putting it in the vehicle of the water as the application route. I'm, you could probably do it if it was just that day, you know, you're using it that day, it would be fine. But like I said, I like to have it made up and then I just keep it in the camper for the season. And then I have one in the house. And so I don't want to have that bottle of water and having to you're not going to go through a whole bottle, even a little small one. And so I don't want to waste those essential oils every time I make up the spray and then have to toss it out because of bacteria load. Right. That's a definitely a good point about the cost. <laughs> if you end up, you know, spending so much more on your, on your bug repellent, then that, just because of the type of essential oils you use, that'd be another consideration when you're choosing. So for sure. I'm really curious too. I want to know how it worked with you guys to get approved by the FDA with the with your insect bug repellent using the natural with all of the essential oils. So what was that process like? Well, it's actually the, okay, I, I should have clarified that. It's actually the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Okay. And they what, what it is, is this is for anybody who wants to sell online. They have their requirements, their ingredient requirements for the label and how, and then so, so they're basically posting that you have to follow this particular guideline so that you're not just selling anything. So that's posted and they can come after you if you're not doing it correctly. What I had was not aware of until later on was that in addition to the, the just national U.S. EPA, your own state could have their own laws. In California, where I live, they kind of just, they don't, uh, they, they have 
kind of some strict laws that made us have to redo our whole concoction. So we did that. We had to change some of the things that we were doing. And this is where when you're a business, that's the unfortunate part. Even, I mean, something as simple, and this is not related to bug repellent, but something as simple as if I wanted to sell a tinted lip balm and I found that using cocoa powder made a nice brown color for the tint for my lips, I couldn't sell it. I could make it, but I can't sell it. And it's not just because it's a food ingredient. It's because you can only choose colorants that are approved by the FDA. In that case, it's the FDA, not the EPA. But so it's just like you have to watch those laws and it's tough. Basically, to be okay with the EPA, we had to take out the lavender, which was crazy. I, I for, Actually, for a long time, I was kind of aware that it wasn't on their list of ingredients that are bug repellent ingredients. However, I figured, you know what, I'm scenting the, even though I, I know because it's, it's stated online in places that lavender is a good bug repelling essential oil, I felt like, well, it's a scent. I'll just see this is a scent that we're adding to the bug block. And whether or not the EPA agrees that it can actually repel bugs, that's not our main ingredient. It's going to add to this nice combination of essential oils. And I see that as a scent, not, not the bug repelling active ingredient. Mm-hmm. And, but that wasn't enough. That, that's not good enough. You can't have it in there. <laughs> really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I had to take the lavender out. So I basically, any, any scent or whatever, it has to work as approved bug repellent ingredient. So lavender and, wasn't listed as an approved, so they actually have a list. The EPA had a list a list of approved insect or bug repellent essential oils or ingredients. And so if it wasn't on that list, even though it was still an essential oil and natural, it actually couldn't be in there. Even if it was as the scent agent, it still couldn't be in there. Okay. Okay. Yep. That was from my understanding. I really hope someone can, can say, no, I got that all wrong, but I read and read and read up on that. And that's what I understood it to be. And I wanted to be compliant. So we took out lavender and then we replaced it with rosemary because rosemary, and they're so close, you know, they're so close in, in appearance, at least for sure, rosemary, lavender, and, and the stuff just thrives out in our environment where we live. So I decided that rosemary was the one I was going to replace the lavender with. And that is an acceptable bug repellent ingredient. So I thought, great, we're good to go now. I've got my three ingredients. And then I had to go check by the California law. And in California, Citronella can only make up 1% of the entire formula. And the formula that I had at the time was (laughs) 2.5%. So I had to take down the citronella to make it only 1%. And then instead, I increased the amount of the cedarwood and rosemary to replace that loss of the citronella. So the scent is slightly different overall now that we've had to change it, but we're completely compliant now. And if we weren't in California, if we lived somewhere else, we would be fine with our earlier, as long as we changed the lavender, we would have been fine. And no, I don't want to leave California because I live there. <laughs> but that's what we had to do. So that's, you know, when you're a business, you have to go and, and look that stuff up. And even though you can completely disagree with places like the EPA, you have to comply until those laws change. So. Yeah, no, that's really, that's really interesting. I also think it's interesting, and I might have to do a little bit of uh, research too on, or you might know why 
with a citronella, did they have a specific reason? And I know, yes, the state of California is some of the most strict laws on things that, you know, that they sell in California. And a lot of times I'm in Washington state and so we'll get products shipped in. I work at a pharmacy and so we'll get products shipped into the store and it will say in the state of California, this is yep. known to cause, da, 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 you know, birth of this could contain products that, you know, can contain birth defects or different levels. I can't remember the exact wording, but it always says the state of California. So I know the state of California is probably one of the strictest states, which can be good and bad, right? But what was the reasoning did they give for only 1% of citronella? Did they feel that too much citronella that could have some type of side effect or something? I need to go back and look that up. I don't know. I don't remember what the reason was. I had at the time, you know, had to check into all that and I don't remember. It's not even just the citronella. I know, for example, that Redmond, their real clay, they have to put those same restrictions and all about California on their labeling too. So, and that's about as natural as you can get. So definitely California is very strict, but no, I don't know the exact, I need to go back and look that up. It's been a while since I did all that research, but I don't know the reason why they had a problem with citronella. So with the using, I noticed when we switched over and started using all of the, our own natural bug repellents, it was really interesting because people were really skeptical. So when we would go camping, I would always bring it out. And of course, if you know, we were with other families, I'd be like, oh, you know, I would just kind of tell like, I've got this bug spray that I want to use on, on the kids, especially when they were little. We'd go camping a lot with my in-laws. And so I'd be like, I, I don't want to use very nicely, like, please don't use the deep containing bug spray on the kids. I've got some here and you're more than welcome to use it too. And so I would bring it out and just kind of set it on the table for everybody to use that we were camping with. And a lot of people were really, they're like, what is that? And I would tell them and they're like, but does it work? And I'm like, well, here, try it out. Let's see if it works. So that was really fun. And what was really interesting is so we would spray it on and you would see the mosquitoes, you would see them come towards you and then they would come close and then they would just turn and fly away. So it was really interesting to visually watch them because they would get close, but then as soon as they caught it, they would go away. And so that was really fun because I had a lot of people who were skeptical and I'm like, Hey, just try it. And they tried it. And they're like, Oh my goodness. Like I'm so, you know, they were so shocked and surprised. So that was really fun. But I did notice that you do have to reapply it more frequently than you would some of the commercial stuff. So we, especially yeah. when, if it's a really heavy infestation of mosquitoes, depending on the time of year, I would notice that we would need to reapply usually every couple hours when it was really heavy out, you know, that time when they're out at the dusk and dawn type. Have you noticed that too, that you need to reapply more often? Yes. In fact, I was just, it's funny because I was making sure we tested this really well to see how it would, you know, how it worked. And so we had a day where we lived near a lake and it was just so, there were so many mosquitoes and I prefer testing before I have a whole bunch of people around to see, to test with me, you know, <laughs> so that early, in the early days, I remember being out by the lake and there were so many mosquitoes and I would just lather this on my arms and my face, my neck. And they would, it's exactly like you said, they would get, the problem is, and now there's always like, okay, the pros and cons, the cons, it, it would be great if it could be super fast, easy to apply, like a spray, like the deep stuff, would. you know, just spray and you're fine. The downside is, is no, you do need to rub it on. And if you don't, if you leave a big, you know, an area that you forget, let's say you do, you know, your arms and you don't get your neck or something, they could technically still come and get you on the neck. 
And I, I noticed the same exact thing where they would come, they would hover. And it really takes patience because especially when you're testing it, you were like, okay, this is awful. I still see mosquitoes around me, but they don't land and they don't bite. For some people, they would rather have kind of like this, this five foot barrier around them where mosquitoes are not coming near you. But if you want to go the kind of the safe and natural route, you would still apply it. They don't land they don't bite because at the end of the day I realized oh I don't have even though I felt them I mean you feel like you are still in kind of this mosquito zone they are not biting you which is great and the reapply yeah I noticed that too that especially if you're going to go swimming and you're coming out and you need to you definitely do need to reapply it more often but I also noticed that even with mosquitoes it's kind of a, a certain time period where they're not always out for necessarily four hours in a row and I'm sure that depends on where you live too but they could be out at a certain time period. It kind of seems to be when around dusk or if you're near a lake or something. And then later on, once it gets dark, they're not around as much. So at least in my experience. So yeah, there's definitely the pros and cons. I wish it could be as simple as just spraying something or, you know, lighting a candle that has citronella in it and they stay away. But it's, there's always that good and bad with, with using it for sure. Yeah, and we're, I'm kind of like you too, is what we'll try to do is have some citronella candles. And again, looking and seeing what's in that citronella candle that you're burning because you're not making it yourself or, you know, sometimes the ones you get from the store, they may have other ingredients you don't want to be burning, even though citronella is listed. So of course that, but I kind of try to do multiple things, especially when we're camping. So we'll have, you know, the smoke does help from the fire <laughs> to mm -hmm. repel them a little bit but then of course you smell like smoke and some people don't like that but so we'll try to have some citronella candles burning and then we'll have the bug block out another thing that we do too to try and help keep the mosquitoes at bay is the color of the clothes that you wear so a lot of the time when we're outside and camping the majority of the time it's in the summer when it's really warm out so we of course look for light layers but the, the actual color of the clothing can either attract or repel mosquitoes. So mosquitoes are attracted to dark colors, so dark blues and blacks and dark browns. So if you can wear lighter colors, more neutral colors like white, tan, khaki, those type of things, then that will also help you keep out of the mosquitoes radar. And the home is you can also plant some of these plants, especially if it's around an area that you like to sit out a lot is to have some of the herbs as well. So peppermint, like you listed, peppermint, rosemary. You know, if you can plant some of those type of herbal plants too in your landscaping, or even just put them in pots. Like if you want to go camping, peppermint's really easy to grow in a pot, and so is rosemary. And of course, if you needed to cook with it while you were camping there, you've got your little fresh herbs. But I like to do kind of multiple layers, and then I feel like they all work together to help more than if you're just relying on just one. If you guys want to get the recipe for Renee's insect bug repellent, we're going to have that available for you in the show notes. Thank you, Renee, so much for coming on and talking about the essential oils and natural ways to keep the insects away. Thank you, Melissa. This is fun for sure. Now we are up for our verse of the week, and this one comes from Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. And I thought that this verse really felt well with what we were talking about today. 
Because knowing how things affect our bodies and making choices that are going to be more healthy for us helps give us strength in order to serve him and to do the things that he has called us to do. And this is from the Amplified Translation of the Bible, which I got a, about a year and a half ago. And I really like to, and I would encourage you to, is I like to look at different translations because sometimes just that little bit of translation or seeing it worded in a different way, even though it all means the same thing, can give you a new clarity, at least it has for me, or a new understanding of that verse And so I really like to look at at least a couple different translations and kind of read them side by side. So I've been using the Amplified Version and the NIV. And so I hope that you will join me in everything that we do, not just our actions, but our thoughts and the way that we view things. And of course, our actions as well, that they would be devoted and well-pleasing to the Lord so that we can give him reasonable service and spiritual worship. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode and listening. And again, remember that you can go and grab all of the resources and check out these limited time offers at MelissaKNorris.com, episode 108.